0: Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Page One Podcast. I'm Marco. I'm Tarek. And thanks for joining us at the Page One Podcast. If this is your first episode uh, at the podcast, we like to talk to writers of all kinds, uh, authors, screenwriters, comics writers, uh, about how they got into the industry, what their process is and try and get as many hints and tips as possible. And uh, this week we have, I suppose, a new kind of writer on the podcast, uh, yes. or the first of, of this yes. kind of writer on the podcast. We have
1: uh, Helen Lederer on this week, who, as Marco says, is a, no, she's not, well, she is an author, she's written mm-hmm. books, but she's perhaps best known for her stand-up work. Uh, she became quite famous, came up in the 80s with French and Saunders, Rick Mayo, Harry Enfield, that kind of crowd. Um, she's written plays. She, perhaps best known in TV for Absolutely Fabulous. She was the role of Katrina, for mm-hmm. those that were fans of that show. And uh, she's really done quite an impressive, you know, you know, like her work is, it, it goes from monologue, comedian monologues, so it goes TV work, she's written plays, she's done some Radio books. work, She'd yeah. Radio work. It's yeah. really impressive mm-hmm. scope she's done.
0: And in between all of that, she's also founded her own literary award as well. (laughs) On
1: on, on the side. The
0: Comedy Women in Print Award. Um, So, yeah, we chat to her about all of that and it's a really interesting chat and fun chat, as you would imagine. But we talk about, you know, how, how you go about writing comedy and, and try to, test things out in front of an audience and things like that yeah. um,
1: it's an interesting it's 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 a different type of writing isn't it i suppose you're writing mm-hmm. that kind of that live audience feel to it that you're, you're, and it isn't like you have a draft and you pass it to your wife or whatever it's it's you, you have a draft and you read out loud and you maybe don't get any laughs and you redraft it again. It's quite yeah, that's form. right. But also
0: it depends as she says in the podcast on who the audience is and what you take yeah. from that depending on who the audience is and all yes. of these things. So there's a lot of considerations to take into account as well. Um so it, as I say, really fun chat, really interesting. We'll get straight into it after a quick advert for our writer's notebook, the page one notebook, and then we'll be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat. And to let you know about next week's guest On with the show The blank page To some it's terrifying An obstacle to overcome But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity A blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head So how to overcome that fear? Well we all know the best advice for a writer is Write Seriously Get words on the page and more will follow
1: But what about later When you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read, or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. screenplay a comic or any other kind of story we truly believe that when you use it it will help you get to the main event writing your story so we hope this helps
0: we can't wait to read what you come up with
1: and remember every story starts with page one
0: we've had authors screenwriters journalists video game writers comic writers but you're the first stand-up comic that we've had and that's something that we have been wondering about as well obviously you've done lots of different types of writing and we'll get to that but was being a stand-up comic what you was that what you wanted to do initially
2: well that's quite odd isn't it because uh, remember i'm very very old so (laughs) when i started doing it it was literally i saw something on television the other day oh yeah i saw something on princess die and i was thinking oh my goodness so I think when she got married, it was a kind of retrospective thing. And that was 81. And I was thinking, I remember writing a sketch about that. So we're talking <laughs> about 80s, and that's a long time ago. But I know that when I was 10, I w- wanted to perform and write. Mm-hmm. And it's just in the 80s, there just still wasn't like a norm for mm-hmm. the notion of stand-up comedy mm-hmm. in the in the way there is now let alone for women, even though uniquely, in many ways, Victoria Wood was there Mm -hmm. doing the work because there was a program called New Faces, a talent program. So there was a sort of a funnel, but the opportunities aren't like that. It wasn't normal. But I always wanted to write and perform, and I think being a stand-up comedian is a Mm writer-performer, really.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And what's what's the writing
1: process when you when you you know, do you sit down and do you say, do you have an idea of, of, of what you want to see? Or do you just do things just kind of pop in your head and you think how can I make that the funniest way
2: it can be? Mm. I think it's both. Um for instance, I started as in a double act. Um I I had a wonderful double act partner called Maggie Fox, and I stole her from an audition. She was already with someone else. So she was doing a double act called Lip Service up in Manchester, but I thought, I just have to work with you. So there's an example of Maggie and myself, we had a regular gig at Pentameters, which is a a theatre room above a pub in Hampstead. And so therefore we would do, that's why I was remembering we did a sketch not hilarious, but a thing together about when Prince Charles got married and he got his name mixed up and not hilarious, but you know he said his <laughs> names in the wrong order, so there's an example of going okay well let's just do that because that the mm-hmm. the nation, the world has watched that yeah um so we'd set out to do that, but for myself, doing my own comedy content. It's a case of, like most people, going inside your head, what is instinctively, what comes to the forefront, What? how can you make a story funny, what are funny subjects. Like, I remember in those days there was uh, lots of tanning booths. So I had an experience in the tanning booth. So I thought, oh, I'll just write about that experience. So it's a combination of your own experience and topicality that, one hopes will, will elicit recognition because, as I'm sure you both talented writers yourself it's recognition that makes something work
0: mm-hmm. largely and but is with comedy in particular is there uh do you think there's a pressure to be topical as well more so than in other types of writing
2: um I think you've got to show that you <laughs> Um, well, there are different types. Like, if you remember, I don't... Pam Ayers, wonderful woman, I'm sure, uh, uh, lovely poems. Ditties, I think they're called. Um, I'm sure she's... Somebody like that would be working to a, a, a fan base in a certain way so the material would be shaped, you know, and, you know, so as to be relevant to that audience. So you're saying, do you write topicality? So I w- went off on a red herring there slightly. I was just thinking what would it be like if Bamez <laughs> did stuff on kind of vibrators. But then she probably does. And, just, and even vibrators as a subject is probably a bit yesterday. So um, it is a case of if you are going to do a subject that's a bit yesterday, be aware of it. You just have to be knowing mm-hmm. so that you are relevant, uh, whether that's undercutting it with your knowingness or being a, a step ahead being a step ahead is a bit, um, risky because people have to connect.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and with comedy as well, especially stand up, there's, there's always that, or, or certainly you, you hear about, you know, people trying stuff out and some of it doesn't land, some of it does. And then mm. you work on the stuff that does and kind of build that up. I mean, is, is that, is that just a part of the process? You just, cause, you know, how do you judge? Is this going to work? Is this going to be funny? Do you mm-hmm. just have to test it out in front of people?
2: I know. I, I, just, I you know, don't we all think those very thoughts? You've just <laughs> <laughs> um, put there. Um, I think you've got to be. What well, it is useful to be brave because without trying stuff out, you're not going to know. Um, often, shortening routines—that's honing it—will mm-hmm. get you the better result. But you have to put it out there to start with. And it's extraordinary, isn't it, how some small changes will elicit a laugh, Mm -hmm. Um, removing, like, one sentence before the build-up. Even when you're writing, you must get this. I've just written a travel piece. It took me forever because I'm not very good at writing travel pieces because you have to have content, but it's a paid job. That's why I'm doing it. Um, In lockdown especially, um, you, you have to have content and you have to have impression. So the combination of factual content and impressionistic is quite difficult because I was stressed about getting my facts right. Because mm-hmm. you go down a route of getting a, of, of winching a fact in, and then you've lost your flow. And certainly, how funny I was doing a piece on baths, uh, being in Bath, um, talking about. Roman coins and I thought this isn't funny but it's a fact (laughs) um and so it's quite interesting isn't it how I suppose you just have to be aware yeah and also if you think about the live situation I remember way back early television when there were like chat shows and like big audiences and I was for some reason on with a lot of the old school comics really nice but you know grown up men Mm. who played golf and things like that and they would do gags naturally it, not even like current contemporary men who do gags mm-hmm. um but that is their life force you know that that's their currency, and it obviously it was i w- that wasn't mine, so yeah. I'd obviously look pleasant because that was what I did just try and look pleasant or neutral <laughs> but the the currency it's it's interesting, isn't it some people think that is normal to do gags all the time
3: mm-hmm
1: and when you when you something down and you know redrafting as a stand up compared to perhaps someone who's when you're I mean we will get onto the fact you've written a whole bunch of books and novels etc. But oh. when you're redrafting in stand up mode, um, is it a case of cause I, I find it's quite helpful to speak to, to read out what I've written yeah. out loud for the cadence etc. Is that yeah. even more important when you're doing stand up?
2: Oh yes, yeah, sure? so I I would agree with you completely there. And um, when I um. I obviously so old so I've had gaps to try to do other things or other things didn't come in let's put it that way (laughs) you know life um but I went back to Edinburgh last the year before last with a stand-up show and and that's a really good example of of going what do I want to say what am I doing at least with a one woman, a uh, one person show, people will have the choice to come or not. You're not like the slot in a stand up <clears> thing where people have to either wait till you finish or throw something or talk over you or whatever, you know. So one has to assume that people have chosen to come listen to you in that they are there in an audience. And then you go, what am I going to say? And so I would just go through stuff. It was called I Might As Well Say It because it's a kind of innocuous title, but on the other hand, it was supposed to go do you know what sod sort of it I'm just going to say it mm-hmm. and if it offends it yeah. because yeah, my fear is offending people all the time so weakness of why <laughs> and then in terms of your question going back over the actual content you just have to hone it yeah. so that on the page you are go- you're traveling to gags <laughs> quite quickly yeah um and if you go off uh, subject which I did only because I forgot what I was saying. Um, you have to be pretty sure that your audience will allow you to go off subject. But I just couldn't remember what I, I I couldn't remember what I was doing. So um I and it was genuine. So the because it was genuine, it hopefully worked, but I also had the script backstage that sometimes I'd have to go and pick it up and remind myself mm-hmm. of it. But yep. I just thought, well, this is what I'm doing and I'm open about it and hopefully I haven't pissed everyone off
0: and and yeah. how, how does how does the, you know the writing for that differ because did you always want to write novels as well was that something that you always had harbored an ambition
2: well it's quite interesting because when you look at there are certain types of people when you talk to them i'm sure you've discovered that in your pod that they've always had a notebook they've always written mm-hmm. i think that's quite interesting talking to writers and um as a child i i wrote sketch i wrote a sketch show h10 then they asked me to write the play and the sketch show was brilliant and the play was really bad so that was h10 so that's what we say like i peaked h10 then um uh, and i kind of thought oh this is really not working and i just i know that sounds like i'm making up but that is true um now what was the question because this is really interesting about about, about oh <laughs> yes so people with notebooks so i would write poetry so i embarrassingly enough I still have because I'm writing a memoir at the moment and amazingly and embarrassingly I have original copies of my angst written poems aged 14, 15 (laughs) and um, one of the the first line of one of them was this is a nightmare party that was the first line of of one of my teenage um, poems Um, but it's interesting because it, it was an outlet so I was always writing yeah. and oddly because i'm i think i'm quite an inappropriate person or i've come to understand that uh, in recent years i would actually read my poetry out to my parents which a lot of people wouldn't do i mean it's like why would you do that
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and um i just thought no i've written that i'll just read it out to them <laughs> oh my god so um <laughs> It's, uh, but but I think a lot of writers have a notebook or have a piece of paper, and it is just a natural place to write, isn't it? Just to get it out in words, mm-hmm. out of your body onto a page.
0: Uh, absolutely, and and but did that? Like, how do you know when when you're doing that? Th- th- this this is going to work as a as a radio a piece for radio or a or a, or a piece for TV or this is a book. You know, what makes you make that decision?
2: Well, I don't know. But uh, an interesting example with those uh, terms, radio, TV, whatever, the novel I wrote, Losing It, started out as a radio, a play, a a one-off afternoon radio play. Mm -hmm. And I just found that as an exercise really helpful because I had the idea. It was a very simple idea. And then I wrote it, I know it sounds so corny, but with a beginning, middle and end, and it was a treatment because I was pitching it. Obviously it didn't get taken up as a radio play because <laughs> you have to remember that most things are rejected. That's normal. But it was the base for my novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it helps to, I think that radio afternoon play slot is actually quite helpful to have in your mind when you're putting a pitch together because it's got to like a short story, it's got to be so tight mm-hmm. to make someone get to the end, and it's all got to be there. I think the the difficulty for me and I haven't had much success is like a TV script, and then the Holy Grail or it was ten five ten years ago mm-hmm. it was to write the perfect sitcom mm-hmm. you know with the studio audience in the days that that happened mm-hmm. and that's that's very difficult, I think because tastes change and of course the commissioning editors change and you know the whole politics change but i think writing a sitcom is very difficult um actually whereas writing a afternoon play for radio should be easier
1: and, and how did you find the process of writing the book i mean was it was it something that which was quite fun to do or was it quite a
2: slog you know what was no it? i Honestly, I look back at that time, and I was so happy. And I didn't get it published in the normal way. I, I already had written. Uh, I I'd tried it as a radio. Um, so there, the pitch was all there. Mm-hmm. Had I written a bit more? Probably had. Trying to work out if I'm lying now. Try not to lie. <laughs> um, but I do remember going to a a book launch. I don't particularly want to go to, but knew I had to. In those days, you know, before lockdown, you go out and you. You know, a lot of the world takes place in connecting with people, mm-hmm. some good, some bad, but you have to be in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I got talking to somebody from Pan Millen and they seemed to like me at that point. And uh, I got it done that way. I got a commission that way. And then I got an agent, a literary agent after that. Right. But that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, I, don't, I don't know what is normal. Like, so I Ooh. always just say that because I think that gives people – information you know you can do it any which way
0: well i mean actually as you know we've, we've recorded over 50 of these now and what we've found with authors is that there is no normal way mm. you know everyone's got into in their own in their yeah. own way um, yeah. and it, it's sort of just you know persisting with the writing and believing in it and and showing it to people i think is important and um, yes. when you're writing a novel Uh, Maybe as compared to stand up show, but it could be the same thing. But do you, you know, are you someone that likes to plan it out in detail? Or do you just have the idea and just sort of go for it and see where it takes you? What's your approach?
2: I think what's helpful is when you, do, you do your pitch, you do your treatment. Uh, so, you know, the character is in mm-hmm. this state when we arrive. This is what happens. And then certainly we've all gone on those courses. You do act one, act two, act three, which mm-hmm. is helpful because then you can split it up. And then to an extent, you, you kind of want to build to the, A crisis. What is the what do they call it? The inciting incident. I I mean, some of these things can actually just just depress you so much. You just go no, I'm not. But to have these pegs is helpful, and then and obviously to get to the end is helpful. But but in between, you just got to write, and I think it's really nice to decide uh wake up in the morning and decide that you're going to write that scene or you're going to write that conversation when the when the person goes around the park with the trainer and you you know you're going to get in that person's head and but then you also have to go well what happens when they leave the park and where is that taking to what happens then to get you to the end of that chapter that will make people want to start the next. So Mm -hmm. you've also got to be aware that you split it up, you go 10 chapters and you kind of want the end, I'm telling you what you know, but you kind of want the end of each chapter to to be compelling and unfinished. So you lead... You just, it's like being in, in a party with someone, you don't want the person to walk away while you're <laughs> yeah, talking, <that's> right. as <laughs> happens with me a lot because <laughs> I never know <laughs> when to stop. Um, and I find that quite funny, really. Um, so you just have to pretend that, don't they say you're talking to someone, you want to keep their attention,
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah? I like that, I think that's that's actually a very good point. I think mm. you exactly want to keep all the chapters ending on the cliffhanger, keep folk mm. wanting to turn that page. Um, and when, when you're writing it, you know, was it a long process did you go through a lot of drafts was it did it take a while for it to find its feet
2: or did you kind of come out fully formed or well it you know i'd be interested to know what other people do because i know that i oh some people can write fast i did it took me a year and then you go god really a year but then on this travel blooming thing you can you can spend a day on a sentence and mm-hmm. try and explain that to someone uh, they just laugh you, you know they're yeah. doing an important job like something like life-saving yeah and then you go no i spent my whole day on a sentence it just doesn't <laughs> ring does it and then um and then what i used to do when it went bad was i did the main thing is not to give up isn't it yeah. um and i'd lie in my bed and watch um three in a bed that program. <clears around, throat> you probably yeah. don't know it, but i'd watch it then i'd allow myself to watch it for a short period of time it always marked Inertia, like things are going bad, mm-hmm. but you take yourself away and then you go back and you go, "Come on, get get to the end." You just have to force yourself, don't you?
0: Yeah, it's it's as much a habit as as anything else. You have yeah, to just exactly. kind of get into doing it. And with with things like books, I'm not sure how it works in radio, um, but certainly with books, normally what you'll get is you'll send in the draft when you're happy with it to the editor, and then the editor might come back with some edits or suggestions. Uh, you know are you someone that is happy to to hear what other people have to say and just relating it to comedy as well yeah. um, are the audience almost like that when you're testing out stuff is is that like getting the edits back
2: yeah that's a really a really good question because it's two different things isn't it remember for the book then i wrote it but i i quite like i quite see writing as a performance so mm. i like someone commenting on it I like, I, like, I'm happy not to be on my own. And then once one had got, I knew the scenes, then they hired a, an editor to, to edit it. And mm. then you'd get the person going, um, how come the person is there when they've just come from that yeah. and they don't have a raincoat? Yeah. Where's the look? They go, Oh, mm, yes, it's not rainy. No, mm. then, you know, so somebody will kind of do all that. The logistics also, I can't spell, but the, um, the thing about working out of things land, um, I mean with stand-up it, You know I talk about it I mean remember I don't do it regularly mm-hmm. and Especially in lockdown we're all stuck in our heads yeah. So it, it's a really odd time, time On top of that But one I can get it wrong I can time things wrong I can be somehow my Mood isn't right For that audience I have to kind of fight my own personality anyway to start. Mm-hmm. So you have to go through all sorts of rituals to get yourself to give, to, to to start from that place, to give yourself the best shot. And then sometimes, say, I remember the first night, I think, in Edinburgh, there were probably three people in the front row. They were pissed. Well, that's fine. Three women and they didn't sort of connect and then i think i used the word Ibiza and they got overly excited so they weren't representative of the of the rest of the people yeah. but it's like so how do you judge what landed and what didn't land in that in that yeah. scenario it's, the audience is made up of that of that of that moment mm-hmm. but then you you know by the law of averages you kind of hone it enough i suppose to get a general feel
0: I mean, we were speaking to an author uh, uh, just recently, actually, who was saying in, in terms of, you know, how, how their books land with the audience, it's almost like it's not... Uh, he the, the, the author can't really... That's not part of what mm-hmm. they do, really. It's everyone will have their own experience with a story when they read it. They'll mm-hmm. They'll find it funny, they'll find it sad, they'll find... And, you know, the author... All the author can do is kind of put it out there, have done their best you know be happy with it and then how other people connect with it is really out of their control in in a a lot of ways um
2: but i suppose i don't want to preempt your question i'm mm -hmm. interested to know where you're going with that but i would just say that if you're an author then you as you rightly say you've done your bit Mm -hmm. hopefully you've been as authentic perhaps Mm -hmm. i mean i would say authenticity is is essential for that writer and then there'll be people who won't like it yeah uh, always.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's really what I was where I was going was mm. that with comedy, you're always going to have people that um won't find something mm-hmm. funny. But you just yeah. have presumably you just have to say that's fine. It's not. It's not for you. Oh, well, or do yeah. you? You know, it's like how much do you compromise it to try and mm-hmm. appeal to as big an audience as possible? Well,
2: <laughs> to compromise on an, an audience where you're completely failing it's probably best just to leave but you can't because they paid the money um you can die you can try and die in a better way you can salvage you can be knowing um comedy i suppose is more about being liked or Mm. accepted in some way even if they hate you they're enjoying hating you you know there's it's that connection thing with with laughter on the page um certainly Comedy, I think, is written in a rhythm without sounding too twatty. Um, But um, it's for the reader to decide whether they believe in that narrative voice Mm. or that dialogue. And if they do, they will absolutely love it. Uh, But it'll all be to do with the process in their own imagination Mm. reading those words. So it's a very different exercise to... The kind of more visceral thing, like there's a human being on stage. You have three or four minutes. of so audience is going to say, "Oh, is that person fat, thin, mm-hmm. horrible, ugly? Yeah. Why are they wearing those show off clothes?" Or, "Oh, I like what they're wearing," um, but I don't like, you know, all these judgments before the person even breathes or mm-hmm. speaks. Mm-hmm. So judgments get in the way of so much, don't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And do you, do you have a you know do you have a preference in mm-hmm. terms of these all these different types of things that you write or or oh. do you enjoy doing a bit of a bit of everything?
2: I think it's just my the life I've led has just gone the way it has. So I don't know because maybe I just am a bit of a this and a that and I quite I get bored and I quite like new challenges. I like meeting new people. I'm that sort person who wants to have a new friend and get drunk with them. Cause I know they won't have heard my stories and <laughs> hopefully they'll laugh. And I just like to be, like, I'm very shallow. I just don't need like the same old friends. I need new ones all the time, but also because either it was partly my fault and my failings um, and my nerves that didn't get me to do more. I mean, I stopped doing stand-up when I could, I did it for five years and, um, then, you know, when you get jobs where you don't have to do stand-up, it's actually quite nice, Mm -hmm. I found. But I am so admiring of the people who just, it pulses through their veins. You know, now, uh, oh my God, Ricky Gervais, someone like that. You know, I adore it. I just think, wow, you know, it's an art form. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, and they must love it. And I did love going back in Edinburgh, I did love it. I did love being myself and it just took me a very long time to learn that it that it was actually all right to be myself and that, I know it sounds so corny, but, you know, not everyone will like what you do, but if there are enough, that's enough. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
2: It, you know, you just have to just try and believe that that's enough.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely.
2: Hard, it? It's hard. It's blooming hard. <laughs>
0: it's, yeah.
2: We're, why are we so flaky? We just want people to <laughs> like our stuff. <laughs> So we, yes, but that's the, that's a the creative person, isn't it?
0: Well, that's it. You're putting yourself out there in some way, in a way that yeah. you don't as if you're a lawyer or something. You know, you don't. You, yeah. you, so.
2: you do your bit, and you get paid for your yeah, bit, and you exactly. know, and you can be good at your bit. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we've avoided that. Well, I would be a very bad lawyer, mind you. But you know, um, we, we're doing what we're doing, and it doesn't always go in straight lines, and. I've gone with opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think, do you find this in lockdown? Obviously, it gives you time to look back. So I think, okay, I did make a few mistakes, particularly with agents. But then on the other hand, you don't know any better Mm -hmm. when you you just do what you do. And times have changed so much. If if I was young now, it would be great Mm -hmm. because I'd be gigging and not having to worry so much, I think.
1: Well, I wanted to ask you about the, the Comedy Women in Print Writing Prize, which you've launched, which is for... for um, Other women. Other women. <laughs> <laughs> and am I right in saying that you, you, you launched it and you kind of created it because you had a dissatisfaction in the lack of representation in award winners of other types of awards? Is that is that kind of right? Yeah.
2: Other, uh, for me, um, uh, you know, I've written one comedy novel that's it, so um, but it did go okay, and it did get nominated for the b p g not b p not b p actual people they don't they're not interested they don 't give money to anything <laughs> um so the p g woodhouse comedy literary prize so i I was thrilled with that nomination because just to be nominated i've never been nominated for anything, so um but that gave me the idea. Plus, having been a judge, because everyone gets asked to be a judge. I'm sure you guys, you know, everyone, you know, there's loads of things out there. More and more. There's a prize every street. There's Mm -hmm. a literary festival every street. Great. Um, So I just had the idea that I could, having been on that side and that side, and the fact that there wasn't a, a women's comedy literary prize, I just did it I jumped in I think it's important not to sound that word grumpy uh, rather than just look at the platform it is creating like people have been become published because of quit yeah and we, in fact even today um somebody got long listed in the in the first year has got published um and that's great you just yeah, have to definitely. go you just have to just do what you can um and and But it is very stressful managing people. So this is not my go-to place. You know, I Mm -hmm. I worry. I I spent all of lockdown worrying about pissing people off and trying to get people to do stuff and and just being very humble, which is not my natural... I'm not naturally humble. And it's horrible (laughs) to be humble all the fucking time (laughs) and begging people to do stuff. On the other hand, that's, you know... How else do you make a thing happen from nothing?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is it,
1: is it important to you to to you know having as a as a woman who's gone through the process yourself from, from scratch without that help that you now are giving other people? Mm. Is it important for you to try and to try and share your experiences and to try and help people over the hurdles that you maybe had to go through yourself?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, there are worse things to do. You know, that's what I think. And, uh, you know, I never did anything in the right order. I didn't get the right grades. Uh, I did the kind of weird degree. I started stand up late. You know, I, I would always say to any person, it doesn't matter when you do something. I mean, you could start writing at 70, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like yeah. all these rules. I suppose I've always uh, just because I haven't kind of done things normally i i want i think that's helpful to, to others and um people it, it's it's a nice community to try and be positive about um wit mm-hmm. because i love Enjoying other people's funny stuff. I mean, it just makes me so happy. And especially in lockdown, just to kind of connect with people. But wit is the connector? A great connect. It's not the only connector. Sadness is as well. But, you know, um, it's nice to encourage more of it. Um, but to be funny, you have to be uh, a bit sort of acerbic and honest as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And yeah. that's quite difficult in this today's culture, perhaps. Where, what you know, people if people aren't in the disposed to embrace your version of something, then you can be, yeah, that's right. and cut out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. th- this is what these are the times we live in, we just have to manage it,
0: yeah. But, but do you think that opportunities, you know, you were saying earlier that when you when you started, it was the sort of old school uh, uh, male comedians, mm-hmm. um. Do you, do you think opportunity and, and with authors as well, we've spoken to that, you know, female authors who were writing crime were told to use their initials mm. on the oh, yes. book rather than uh, their, their names because there's this thing that mm. people think men won't buy books by women. And I don't know if that's backed mm. up by numbers, but you know, do, in, in the, do you think that sort of thing is improving just now or is it still, you know, is it still quite yeah. bad?
2: um i think everything's evolved so much um really and things are talked about um i think it i suppose the next phase would be to encourage uh even braver conversations so that we can learn as we talk Mm -hmm. that's another thing uh so that people so keen to get it right whoever who's to decide what's right you know um i think one could dare it would be nice to be more daring in the way we talk now but on the other hand it's quite good that we have um got to where we are because there was so so much imbalance Mm -hmm. and sexism and uh, so much that uh, obviously so i think evolution takes us is quite sensible but we've got to nudge it we've got to do more
0: yeah keep nudging it yeah But,
2: uh, but i'm not you know someone who did politics on stage and you know Ben Elton, the gift of Maggie Thatcher. You know that the eighties. Mm. I don't know if you can remember that comedy, but it was fantastic. Yeah. Mm. God, we needed, we needed that stuff out there. It was we lapped it up. We needed it because we were going through such difficult time.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think it is a way of
1: comedy to, to make people view what's going on around them in a different light. You know, you put a spin on it, you make someone laugh mm. at something, and think. So actually, why am I laughing at that? Why? You know, it, it does mm. force you to think about stuff in a way that. Or, or, or certainly in in a way that's maybe more accessible to a lot of people than you know Absolutely. a political essay or something.
2: I know, and and I just know that like there's this thing called How the Light Gets In, which is an amazing festival, and um and it's down the road from Hay on Wire. There's it's a bit of a secret festival, and then you go and you and you can wrangle stuff and thoughts and ideas and, and in the tent, and then you can go and get pissed afterwards, which is great, or even before. And and I just think there's a place talking about it i it's a bit wanky maybe some people might say but i think talking is really exciting and it be and it does break some boundaries mm-hmm. to talk i think we've got to make talking more exciting now yep. less fearful always always want to think about the next thing and if you don't find something funny that's okay isn't it yeah yeah, absolutely. You, and if you don't like a book, that's okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And uh, yeah. and it and why would we all like? I mean, I can't, I, I had to, on the travel piece, somebody um, the hotel put a sonnet on my bed, a Shakespeare sonnet, and I thought, oh, I should be. I thought I don't understand a word of this. I just don't understand Shakespeare's yeah. sonnet right now. My head is somewhere else, so that's okay as well, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's like I just think connecting and making people laugh is the ideal. Part. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: yeah, we've spoken as well to other people in in sort of related to that, not comedy, but you know, there is there can be a certain snobbery to like you've got to like certain books. You've got, Mm. you know, a literary book is Mm -hmm. is good, and a sci fi book is bad, or Mm. you know, things like that. Yeah, and you know. we've talked about this and it's just nonsense because they can both be valuable to someone. They can both change someone's life. They can, you know,
2: depends where you are. I think anything that lifts you, I mean, the power of books to to do, to to take you to another place, that's what you want. I mean, with the question about male, female, I was going to say genitalia. I didn't mean that. I meant uh, alphabetical uh, letter, letter, alphabetical things. I don't know. Um, when people say, what was the funniest book? Right. So uh, when I was, uh, you know, going around the literary festivals doing, lo- promoting losing it. So I had to have, oh yeah, what was your funniest book? So at that point, a few years ago, I read Starter for 10. Uh, I don't, know if, I know yep. it was made into a film uh-huh. by David, David Nicholson. Nichols, yeah. Look, look at what's happened to David Nicholson. <laughs> but I just found, I just, a page on that book just made me laugh out loud. And, I didn't know whether it was a man or whoever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just go, do you know what? That is just so funny. I just love, I love these two pages. I love that narrative voice and I, I'm so happy that I'm laughing. That's what you want, isn't it?
0: I I think finding a book, especially I find if you can find a book that makes you actually laugh out loud, Mm. it's, it's not that easy to do. You know, there's a lot of books can make you you smile, but what um, would
2: make you Experience laughter. What what would be a thing where you're reading a thing and you're going, "Oh my god, I perceive I'm now laughing." What what? Well, would the it last
0: I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but the <laughs> last book that it was was uh, I don't know if uh, Stuart Heritage uh, who writes for he's a columnist for the Guardian, but he's written he wrote a book called "Don't Be a Dick Pete," which is basically a sort of <laughs> book about his brother. Um, but <laughs> it was it was there were moments in that where I was reading it in bed. On my Kindle, my wife was asleep, and I was trying not to wake her oh, up with brilliant. laughter. Isn't that
2: joyous? Though? Yeah,
0: it is. Yeah,
2: maybe you've got a brother like that. But but isn't that brilliant? Because you just but you, then you knew where he, mm-hmm. hey he was coming from, whatever. Yeah. But but oh, that feeling—that is so nice. It stops us being alone, doesn't it? Yeah. I know that sounds so corny because I have thought about that. But that's reading funny stuff that makes you laugh. Yeah, is a great cure for loneliness.
0: Yeah, it is definitely. Hmm um and it, just to touch on it briefly obviously you've you've obviously acted in a lot of things as well i mean do, does that do you like how, you know how does that compare to 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 your own creative stuff is it mm. fun playing in in other people's worlds yes, if you like i
2: do like it and i did something um very recently just, there was an email that came would i like to be in a short film with Maureen Lipman and i thought great and then i thought i don't want to learn it it's is lockdown we managed to do it And I thought, oh, please let it not be good. So hardly any lines, Bromley, which is nearby, um, Maureen Lippmann, what's not to like? Mm -hmm. So I just thought, yeah, I'll do that. It was a short film. And um, so you don't have to have the responsibility or anything, not that that sounds arrogant. Anyway, I just thought that suits me, Mm -hmm. you know, messing about in a kitchen with with Maureen Lippmann doing all the funny business like resource saucepans and stuff and me just being there to serve her and to be helpful. And then hopefully, so she'd like me at the end and you just, go, but obviously you do a bit, but I did a bit, but I just thought this is joyous. I love it. Uh, it's exciting. It's a lot of f- f- You forget the faff of um, hanging around a lot and people tweaking collars and stuff and maybe don't need tweaking, but that's the game, isn't it? So I think the main thing is, when stuff comes in and you're able to do it, I jump and I, I'm just grateful. Yeah. Because nobody, apart from maybe Judy Dench, I don't know if she's on stand-up, nobody can be employed all the time doing everything. It's not possible.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely.
2: And what is
1: it that you're working on right now then? what's, what's The next?
2: memoir. So Comedy Women in Print has taken up the last nine months of my life, I have to say. I can get quite boring about it, so i giant. trying. But it is a passion and it is going forward next year. So there's a little bit of a, a break now. I'm doing the Chortle Festival, I'm doing the uh, Cambridge Literary Festival for quick. So there are Zoom things like this, you know, so you keep it. So obviously there's an excitement about year three and how that's gonna be different and better and all that. For me, I wouldn't do some comedy online, who doesn't, a podcast. Who doesn't a memoir that people will read? You can tell me what what people want to read. I don't know. I just to write a memoir and get it right is um, a challenge. Yeah, but I've got to do it all before it's too late.
0: And and is that um, do we know when that memoir will be out or is that is it early days? Well, it's on
2: got that? to be next year. So right. it just depends. Um, it depends how I publish it. Okay. Um. So you can get me back on. It's got to be out next year. What's the point? We have to do it. Everything has to be done fast. I've got most of it done, and it's just. Um, do you? You know, is it an indulgence? I mean, I I like. Have you? Do you read memoirs? I don't know. Is it? You've got to be interested in what well, the person uh, is doing. I,
0: I think it can be really interesting. It, it just depends. Yeah. Uh, Depends on it the person, really and yeah, it it could can be. Car boot. It, it's it, like oh, a it could face, be. It's a face of...
2: that used to be on television in the eighties. Car boot, it could be that. Um, <laughs> like, no, or, it could but for a. Yeah. i'm just trying to think of something sensational that may have happened once in fact somebody just said to me that, you know, an agent i'm not with they said oh just just talk about when you're at drama school and somebody pushed you down the stairs they don't have to have done but just put it in <laughs> <laughs> Is that, i'm not going to do that it's got to be it's got to be true are you are you true. doing
1: are you doing like an audio version of it because i'm a, a big fan of audio versions of photo the their own memoirs out because i find that it kind of
2: Oh right, yes, yes. Yeah. With the with the writer reading it, with exactly, the,
3: exactly. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I wrote, I read um, "Losing It." I read that. I was thinking, how could you possibly get anyone else to read that? And I love reading audiobooks. books. Um, I'm just trying to work out. I've got to get a very young person to come and explain uh, after lockdown how to do a recording thing in my own house so that I can read audio books from home yeah. in lockdown. I love audiobooks. But, yeah, that would be (laughs) – I've just got to – it's going to happen. I'm going to do it.
0: What is the last book that you read?
2: Okay. Okay. Dipped into – this is the Rupert Everett one. Oh, yeah. Red Carpets and Other Banana Skins because – he, I—that that is very readable and I think he's quite cruel about other people and cruel about himself which appeals to me so I'll say the Rupert Everett one I'm but I haven't read the whole of it so I'll be honest with you in fact lockdown reading I mean come on I can't I can't even write a travel piece right now it's really <laughs> difficult I manage news night and I just watch that
0: yeah, no, I know. I found audiobooks have been Joined good up. during this time, I think. that's. I
2: think I'm going to take the leaf out and just sort, it, but I'd have to get an app and learn how to press the button, but then I to do that. Audiobooks is the future, <laughs> yes. Uh, what about the last film that you watched? Oh my god. Okay. Whoa. Um, oh, right. Well, obviously, there's opportunity on Netflix. Oh, there was a really. Are we allowed to say the things on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of
1: course, yeah.
2: So there was a film on the other day but I, called Beatrice. Uh, it was a satire, an American satire. Beatrice comes to dinner or something like that. We'll have to Google it. But it was hilarious because it was so dark and awkward. And it was um, sort of privileged American uh, people in America uh, with um an awkward person who stays to dinner it's my cup of tea, and it's it's played so real that you know that person who just speaks for that much too long and then just embraces people too quickly I love it. I adore inappropriateness it's a, <laughs> it's a delight so it's got the word Beatrix in it, and it's a film and okay. it's on netflix
0: we'll we'll find out and we'll we'll put yes, it in the, that, in the podcast awesome. yeah. <laughs> Um, and then uh, the last TV show that you watched or series that you're watching.
2: Oh, well, I'm currently watching the thriller because I find that thrillers are the only things called The Undoing. I'm in the middle of it oh, yeah. with Hugh Grant and Nicole oh, yeah. Hidnam, yeah good, I've not started watching it yet. Visually very different from the last time I saw it. but But um, the... Um, It's decent. The first one is very decent. It's like you genuinely don't know where it's going Mm -hmm. and it's shot nicely and you just, yeah, that's the only thing to do right now is to watch, you know, classy thrillers.
1: Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And the very final, final thing we do is a super quick fire, either or. There's no right answer apart from one of them. You've done this
2: 50 times, I can tell. (laughs) Go on.
1: And the first one is... Absolutely fabulous or bottom? Oh,
2: God. I can't answer that because people recognize bottom. (laughs) I was with the Rick Mail, so I'd have to go bottom. Sorry. Okay.
0: Um, uh, TV or cinema?
2: TV.
1: Uh, Fancy restaurant or a takeaway?
2: Takeaway.
0: Um, are you an early bird or a night owl
2: Uh, night owl
1: and the last one real book or e-book
2: don't know how to do an e-book so I'm not advanced (laughs) real book because I can feel it I need to feel things
1: was a lot of fun, I really enjoyed that one
0: It was, it was good fun And uh, I, think, I think you watched The Undoing as well recently, Tarek, didn't you? Unfortunately,
1: I did spend six hours <laughs> of my life watching the, the, the Undoing I became Undone by the end of it It was. I don't know if Helen's finished it now or not But um, one of the biggest letdowns I've actually seen for a while, to be honest like, The cast and writer involved in that show yeah, Really did fall apart at the end for me
0: Harsh criticisms, harsh. Yeah. I've, I've not yet seen it, but it sounds like I won't be bothering I to will. see it.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. To be honest, I, I probably wouldn't bother. Sorry yeah. if you, if you Grant's to this one. You were, you were fine. I didn't have a problem with you, Grant. But
0: um. Um, and and the film she mentioned there uh, was Beatrice at Dinner. I think that's the title of it on Netflix, which did sound like a good one, uh, yeah. worth watching. Um, but I really enjoyed that chat, as you said, and you know that thing that we talked about. Laughing, a book that can make you laugh out loud, I think, yeah. is a very special thing. To, very hard to do. Yeah, it is because I don't know what it is. Maybe just because you you internalize everything when you're reading a book, so even things that amuse you, you might smirk or, you know. But to actually laugh out loud at something yeah. off the page is, is a great gift if you can get yeah. that done. So
1: I think you have to be in the right mood for it as well. Because mm-hmm. often you you know if you, I suppose it's different if you're watching a film. You're like I'm in a mood for a comedy film right now, and you watch that comedy film. But if you're in a book, for me anyway, if I'm I'm reading a book, I'll read the book. I, I don't go to bed in it and think I want to laugh. I'm going to read this comedy. book. Yeah. So you know, it's it's that kind of perfect storm of in the right mood, catch you know, written in that way that does. Get to you personally, yeah. It's, uh, and and sometimes it can I, be in
0: books that you don't expect it. As well. You yeah, know, just yeah, just yeah, one yeah. line, a throwaway yeah. line, can make you laugh out loud. It is it is a a great gift uh, to to try and master. Um, and the comedy Women in print prize as well. I think you know it's a big thing she's taken on there by setting up an Fantastic, award like that, yeah. but totally worthwhile. You know, because. As we've spoken about before, there is still an equality issue that needs to be fixed there.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. It, it is, it's It's a really important issue that um, you, you'd like to think we would kind of be gone in this day and age, but clearly it isn't. Yeah, and but ho- like, hopefully prizes like that will brain. will
0: help. Yeah, that, exactly, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks very much to Helen for uh, coming on the podcast. And we've got another great guest next week, uh, Ali Reynolds, whose debut novel, uh, Shiver, is coming out, I think, on the 21st of January. I think it might be a bit earlier in the US, but it's, yeah. it's in the next week or so.
1: There's a, a really fun chat we had with Ali. She's, uh, for those, of those that don't know her, obviously, this is her first book, but you may know her from her previous career as a professional snowboarder. Yes, quite
0: quite, cool. quite the career change. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we, we chat to her about that and also, uh, obviously, about what it's like Um being a debut author and, you know, Shiver's got quite a lot of buzz around it as well. So um, yeah. it's definitely worth checking that one out as well.
1: And of course, if anyone has any questions or comments, they can always send them to podcast at rightgear.co.uk or send us a tweet to at right underscore gear.
0: Absolutely. And uh, as ever, if you enjoyed that episode, please do take a couple of seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. As I say, if you liked it, if you didn't, please do. Just ignore this. Um, And if you want to leave a review, again, if you liked it, that would be awesome because it helps us to continue to get great guests on the podcast. Otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next episode.
1: See you later.